Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about the freedom that comes when we let go of perfectionism, step into vulnerability, and embrace God's grace. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Peyton Garland from Colorado Springs. Peyton is the author of Not So Myself, which has been promoted by TED Talk speakers and a former White House press secretary. You can reach Peyton at her website, peytongarland.me, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Peyton. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Hey, happy to be here. I am so glad that you're here. So we're talking about perfectionism and just being perfect. And I think everybody wants to be perfect. And if we can't be perfect, we at least want everybody else to think that we're perfect. So how do we let go of that? How do we even let go of the desire for that? That's a tricky thing. For me, I, I didn't want to let go of it. And what happened in my life is as a Christian school kid, the valedictorian of her high school class, the college sorority virgin, I was perfect in everyone's eyes, like you said. And so I wanted to keep it up. And for me, a few years after graduating college, I'm newly married. My husband started a new job. There's financial tension. I'm dealing with an undiagnosed mental health condition. I hit a brick wall and perfection for once in my life was impossible. And so that's what happened on my journey. I didn't just realize, hey, it's okay to not be perfect. I went from, hey, I've got it all together to everything is slipping through my fingers. And I had no choice but to walk through imperfection and to try and discover grace in that process. Wow. That's so interesting that you said for the first time in your life, you thought you couldn't be perfect. So for the whole rest of the time, you thought, I rock. I have this. I am doing all this stuff. So that's really quite beautiful. Well, I'm sorry for the struggles that you went through, but it sounds like it's actually been transformational in a very good way. So would you want to walk through what was your what was your diagnosis? What did you discover needed to be needed to be addressed? Sure. So my husband, when we first got married, um, he had a wonderful job as a sales rep for the Atlanta Falcons football team. So financially, we were doing well. We were getting to go to lots of events. We were traveling a lot. And six months later, after we got married, he comes home and says, hey, babe, I think I want to be a pilot. And I was like, a pilot? You you never even mentioned you like airplanes. Like, what? what is this about? <laughs> so we, we start this journey, and he is in flight school full time. And so I'm working. At one point, I was working three jobs. <gasps> to pay all the bills while he, you know, we go from his really comfortable income and I was working at a nonprofit and I love nonprofits, but you don't make any money at a nonprofit. So to counteract missing that big paycheck, I'm working three jobs. So there's lots of financial stress. Emotionally, I'm shot. I'm just miserable. And then when my husband finishes flight school, this is before COVID when pilots, there were a ton of them. You had to go to whichever airport had a job opening available for you to be stationed at. And at the time we were living in Georgia and the only airport available was in Indiana. So he packs up and moves eight hours away from me. We had just moved to a new town in Georgia for my new job. So I don't know my neighbors. I don't know my coworkers. The only person I knew was my husband and now he's gone. And so I'm by myself day in and day out managing two of the most terrible but precious dogs in the world. And it's quiet. And when you have to sit in the quiet, monsters can come out of the closet. They can creep out from under the bed. Things that you didn't want to wrestle with 
that you didn't have to wrestle with because you were distracted by all this noise that is gone. Like now everything's out in the open. And I just knew I wasn't carrying all of this life stuff well. And my worrying had gone beyond worrying. It was something I didn't fully understand. But I went to therapy and I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. I take Zoloft. I do therapy. I'm a big proponent of that modern miracle. And with lots of grace, I am I am slowly embracing the fact that imperfection is in a weird way. It's where I find my worth because I see God's worth through my flaws because he is flawless. Wow. All right. So let's talk about grace a little bit more and how that what kind of role that played in this. Yeah. So (laughs) I grew up in a very legalistic church. So it was a very strict Southern Baptist. There was a certain dress code for women. I was taught not to speak. It wasn't my place to lead. And and I, I grew up thinking that God was someone who wanted me to check all these boxes. And it was kind of an ultimatum. You check the boxes and you're good, or you don't check all the boxes and you're bad. So I grew up very tense and and I internalized that spiritually. I never really embraced grace. I'd heard of it. I I knew it was supposed to be a thing, but in my church culture, I'd never seen it. And so I just thought it was kind of a catchphrase. It's just what you say. It's what you tattoo on your wrist, you monogram on your purse, and you just move on. And grace and perfection can't coexist. And so the second my life spiraled and I'm sitting in a therapist's office saying, hey, my life is spiraled, that's the instant grace could come in. And that's when I first started noticing grace ever in my life. Okay, so let's talk about some more. I love that whole description. So if grace is more than a tattoo and a monogram, what is it? Wow, that is such a good question. Grace for me is is someone with a mental disorder where my brain is is constantly running 90 miles an hour. I'm always worried about all the things, trying to balance everything. Grace is my breath of relief at the end of the day. It's the thing that doesn't make me go back and tally everything wrong I did. It doesn't make me go back and check a bunch of boxes. Grace is my spiritual sigh of relief that, hey, your worth is found in a God who is perfect And because of that, your imperfection is not something he's afraid of. And I can go to sleep at night. And and for me, peaceful sleep, you know, perfection-free sleep is wonderful. Wow. I loved every part of that. I'm so glad. I'm it is sad to me that off sometimes in religion where people were trying to bring people to God and trying to help people to do good and to be good and to become good. And sometimes that can be misdirected or, or even if it's not misdirected on the leadership end, it can be misinterpreted on the followers end. So it can come from both sides. I'm, I'm not going to blame a, a particular whatever, but it can happen. And that is something that I, I know a lot of people who've struggled with. I've struggled with some of those things myself, that idea that we just need to check a bunch of boxes and God wants us to be perfect. And he doesn't. He just wants us to love him. He wants us to allow ourselves for him to love us and to to try our best and to do good. So I'm, that is delightful. Let's talk about your book a little bit. Can you explain the title? What does that mean? Yeah, so Not So By Myself is the title. And I was inspired to write the book after my husband finally came home from Indiana and was stationed at an airport at our, where he could live (laughs) at our house. 
I had learned so much in my loneliness. That's when I first went to therapy. That's when I first started wrestling with this idea of grace. And I was like, you know, I just think God's pushing me to share my experiences. And so I start writing this book about loneliness in February of 2020. And three and a half weeks later, the whole world is shut up in their homes and they're alone. And so it's a bittersweet thing. Like it's, it's quite the marketing pitch, but it's also this, this saddening reality that people now have to face loneliness on a level they never expected to. So there was some beauty from Ash in, in the title, but the byline is my, sorry, the tagline is my favorite. It's a safe space where God doesn't fix the loneliness that sits with you instead. And for me, what I learned is that different seasons of loneliness will not stop showing up. Like death is inevitable. Friendships crumble. Like these separations and isolations and these kinds of seasons, they don't just disappear as soon as, you know, your husband comes home and he's now living with you again. So the beauty is actually God sitting with you and refining you day in and day out through this process. Wow. What interesting timing. So you were prepared to be able to help people right when they were in the thick of it. That is amazing. Yeah. You know, I've talked to several people and the, the, the way that COVID has affected different people as little pieces of inspiration has popped up over here and over there and over there. And so many people have, oh, this is my time to write a book. You wrote yours before to help people who were during, other people use the quiet time. And I've had others who are, you know, professionals and they say, you know, this has been such an interesting psychological kind of experiment where people don't have the distractions that they normally did and have to kind of face themselves. You faced yourself in that quiet space and that loneliness before COVID forced the whole world to do it. But I think everyone has had a little bit of an opportunity to, to, to be a little introspective and to be able to, there's an opportunity, not that everyone's taken it, but there is that less distractions. And some people are extremely uncomfortable with it. And some people have embraced it. So I'm glad that you were able to embrace it and, and turn it into something beautiful. Like you said, beauty from ashes. So that is just brilliant. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a timing I couldn't have orchestrated. So I'm grateful to have walked through the season a, a few months before everybody else. Yeah, you got a preview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With a little less Germex. That's the only difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what is the biggest takeaway for your for your readers? And, and what would you like people to take away from our conversation today? I think it's the reiteration that grace and perfection can't coincide. And so if you're looking for the breath of relief at the end of the day, you've got to embrace the reality that your imperfection is something that almost triggers God to pursue you even more. I mean, it's something that strengthens that bond or that's what happened with me. And so I love for readers to just, just step into grace because life is going to hit all of us. We have seasons that are up and down, whether for me it's a mental health diagnosis or my husband being away or the death of a loved one. There's got to be room for grace in the middle of that. And I just want everyone to take away the idea of it imperfection is not as scary as it sounds. That's a big thing because it does sound terrifying. I, nobody is perfect. It, some of us might think we are, and a lot of us hope that we appear that way, but none of us really are. 
So to be able to have peace in that knowledge is huge. As you were explaining this last little bit and, and that, that grace and that versus perfection, it made me wonder how your perception of, of God, of what he is, what he's like, changed when you were trying to be perfect and check the boxes versus accepting that grace. For me, God was someone I'd always loved because I was told to love God. Like that was checking the box. But finally, I could like God too. So he wasn't someone I loved out of obligation. He was someone I actually liked. Like if if I spotted him in a coffee shop, I would actually want to go and sit down and tell him about my day. Oh, that's huge. Okay. I like that very much. And what would you say to those who've been hurt by their by their church experience, by their maybe upbringing or understanding? I think I think the catchphrase, I think a lot of people say, you know, the the church is imperfect because people are imperfect and that's not God, you know, and we know that. And so what I encourage people on a more realistic level is start small. For, for me, I had a hard time trying churches when I got married and moved away because I'd had such a bad experience. I actually started small with things like life groups. I would try to plug into the church on a smaller level where it wasn't being thrown into a big congregation. I would check out lots of things like their website and I'd watch sermons online. So I I am a proponent of slow and steady. If you've been hurt by the church, I would say it's still the place to plug into. But God, again, has so much grace for that season of tiptoeing in. I, I think that there is so much space to pray through that season and to take your time navigating and, and don't don't feel like God's holding some big javelin over your head while you're up and down of trying to, to, I guess, forgive the church because forgiveness is a process. And I think God honors that space when we're trying. Oh, I like that. And it can require forgiveness. And that does require some space. I had someone explain to me that forgiveness can be like an onion where it's in layers. Like you, you, you work through something and you think, oh, okay, I got this. I got this. And then hurt comes up again. It's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I thought I was done. No, no, no. It's just another layer. And then we'll work through this and it'll get a little smaller, a little smaller. I love the idea that you are working your way back into something. A lot of people feel like, you know, I can have my relationship with God and that doesn't require any kind of a church. And that is true. People can have their own relationship with God in their own way. But I believe that there is a benefit that we get by um, combining with other people that we are we are social creatures and we are spiritual creatures but we are social beings that's part of our of our humanness and so I appreciate that you were able to work through some hurt and then be able to find some some connection not only spiritual connection with God but also a spiritual connection with with other people so very well done thank you it wasn't easy but it's well worth it I'm glad. I'm glad you feel like it's worth it because I'm sure there are so many people listening who are thinking, yeah, I was hurt too. And this happened. And because, yeah. you know, like you said, people, people aren't perfect. So that is fantastic. Would you have any, let's see, any tips or tidbits that you, from your book that you'd like to share? <laughs> so I guess I can share a little bit of a snippet of a fan favorite. This is just people message me on Instagram. They reach out and it's the same story over and over. Um, chapter one of my book is called Dog Park Drama, and it's about the first time I tried to distract my loneliness rather than deal with it. And my big brindle puppy, Alfie, he's like 85 pounds. Uh, he decided that he really, really liked the three-legged female dog in the park. 
and wanted to do his business and started a total riot amongst about 50 other male dogs. I'm no longer allowed back at that dog park with my dog. So if, <laughs> if you want a good laugh, like the book has some heavy stuff, but chapter one is, is fun. Now it's, it was not fun for me. It was quite tragic, but you can start out with a good laugh. So if I, I really encourage you, if, if you want to laugh at my expense, feel free, dive into chapter one and just don't name your dog Alfie. I don't know if that was the secret <laughs> to it, but just don't. <laughs> wow. And Alfie wanted to be the alpha male in that whole Oh, he group. did. Oh, so big. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Some of our trials and challenges, uh, when we look back on them, they're funny. And some of them, when we look back, they're never funny. So it's almost refreshing when you get at least a something that, well, you know, someday this is going to be funny and someday this is going to be a good story. So at least there's that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. That is crazy. We had a, an experience this week. You talked about your husband's a pilot. My husband is a pilot as well. Oh, awesome. And we flew to, I'm in Salt Lake and we flew up to Yellowstone. And we were flying back and we had a catastrophic engine failure short of the runway. And so we had to make an emergency landing. Um, we landed on a, a road and fortunately we were not hurt and we're okay. But it was, it was scary. <laughs> I bet that's a plane. You survived a plane kind of sort of crash. <laughs> yeah, that was, so that was, that was my week this week, but. Yeah, so I don't know if let that know one if will ever laugh. be. Yeah, yeah, it's not really funny, <laughs> but at least it's a good story, you know. And there are other things that are. There could be a you know five ten years down the road. Hey, babe, remember that one time? Yeah, remember that one <laughs> the plane <day>. engine failed. <laughs> yeah, so a little, still a little too fresh, but we're still standing. So so things things are good. Things are really there's, good. You know, there's some things in life that need to be perfect, and an engine and a plane. You know, we're not going to give that any grace. Like, it's got to work <laughs> and do its job. <laughs> yeah, truly. And even in that experience, which was, it was really scary. We were, there, there were, there was grace. And the grace was that we had a place to land without Absolutely. crashing into a car or a fence post or people or buildings. So we were, we were okay. So I guess there's room for grace there too, but not, not for the engine. No, no, no. That engine is going in the garbage. <laughs> right. It's done. It's a done deal. Was there anything else you wanted to make sure we covered today? No, I just, I encourage everyone to go check out the book. And I always like to tell people COVID has made everyone like a Zoom aficionado. Like most people just can do the Zoom thing. I always am here to hop on a Zoom chat with anyone who's read the book and just wants to talk or has questions. I know we can't really, you know, share coffee much these days, but I'm just here. My website, there's a there's a let's chitty chat button where you can click to email me. Feel free to find me on social media. And I am an open book and love to connect to anyone who wants to share their story. Wow, that is fantastic. I love that. You are very into the interconnecting with the people. So not many authors say, hey, read my book and then come chat with me about it. So that is quite an opportunity. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Absolutely. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Brene Brown. She said, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be our best. Perfectionism is not about healthy achievement and growth. It's a shield. Today, I invite you to embrace authenticity and joy by choosing to let go of perfectionism. 
See you next time on Linda's Corner.